November 10, 2020. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
Pedro Show. Happy Tuesday. Uh, Quentin Quarantino mode. So, Brother Matt's still uh, at the Love Grotto, a couple miles south of Pleasure Point. But I'm not totally man alone because those incredible uh, software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I've got the <laughs> members of, you can hear them, right? Through the, uh-huh. No, yeah, you can. That's you guys. You, of course you can hear yourself. I'm talking about the listeners can hear you. The members of Bombas Pregnant. Bombas. Bombas, yeah, fuck. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I've never heard anybody really say the name of the band before. I've only heard the music. I've been playing you guys since those, uh, there's a bitchin' uh, website run by some people in Cleveland called DangerousMinds.net. Oh, yeah. And they're always turning people on to good shit, you know. And that's how I found out about Bomus, uh, Brandon. And so uh, Uh there was a reissue of the Clear Memory cassette, and uh, I just got into it, man. I I, I love what you're doing. It's it's exactly, you know, uh, us Minutemen uh, graduated Peter Hyde in 1976, and the scene we got into was kind of like, what I, I hear about what you're doing, letting the freak flag fly. I, I have to say that because <laughs> oh, yeah. things got reduced down to a cartoon and really one-dimensional when the movement was really kind of wild and all kinds of stuff. And a, a lot of people didn't know they were doing this stuff in their little scenes, you know. It was all parallel universes. So it's it's a great, great honor to have you guys on the show. Thank you so much. We got Corvus, Norbert, Bomus, Miles, and we're missing Beal. But he's making his fucking way. Yeah, to the. I'm sure he'll have way too much to say when he gets here. Anyway, yeah. so let's right. let's go ahead. Although he was third on, uh, uh, like I tell the people, what we play, we play Wild Man Blues, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, and then Bowman's Prendon with After Dinner Bells. Now, who wants to go first with their uh, reveal of musical journey? I'll go. This is Corvus. Okay, Corbs. Uh, what is your earliest musical recollection, please? My earliest musical recollection is partially aided by a photograph by my brothers reminding me continually. I, we lived in a row house in North Carolina with paper-thin walls, and I don't know where it came from, but my parents had an upright piano. And there's a picture of me banging on it when I'm two years old, and apparently... It was so bad, the neighbors complained, and they had to get rid of the piano, so my younger brother never got a chance to play the piano. <laughs> and I've been feeling bad about it ever since. So Now, uh, was that the only I, instrument in the pad? Yeah. Now, what about school? Did you uh, get the choir or the marching band? Uh, like that? I started playing trumpet in oh, the okay. third grade. Um, I was going to play clarinet, but the orthodontist said my teeth were too bad, so I should play a trumpet and try to smash them in. <laughs> it was an orthodontic decision, apparently. <laughs> but So I played trumpet all through school, and I played in the concert band. I played in the marching band. Um you know what I heard about marching band? It's kind of tough because small mouthpiece. Yeah, well, and and if you hit something wrong, you get it in the face too. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, but 
I was uh, we and we and we practiced on one of the football fields, so it wasn't really smooth. So every every now and then somebody would go down during the practice. But uh, the best part of marching band was my senior year. I, I played a herald trumpet, and uh, because I was the oldest one or the most responsible or the most whatever, I I was the front right corner. So everybody in the band had to look at me front, you know, front and side. So I was the one who had to dodge a horse poop or decide to hit it and let everybody else hit it too. Whoa, whoa, kind of a first chair. Yeah, yeah, first foot. Yeah, first foot. Now, Corvus, you learned to read, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started reading music in the third grade. Uh, I was transferred I think I was in the eleventh grade, and my aunt's church asked me to play trumpet for the for an Easter something. They were doing Battle Hymn the Republic, and I didn't really want to do it, but they talked me into it, and I had to transpose it because the organ player had different music. So I was able to do that kind of stuff, but only on paper and with the trumpet, and and I never actually you know could do that stuff in my head. Now, uh, what was the first? What was the first record you bought yourself with your own money? Um, probably walking up to the shopping center with a handful of change and buying uh, "Hard Days Night." Beatles. Yep. And what was the first gig you went and saw? Hmm. The first one that made any that made any impression on me was the first uh, very shortly after I got to, to school in Richmond my, my here somebody's making Richmond. a bunch of fucking noise you gotta calm that shit down please who's doing that yeah who's doing that well it's all quiet now go ahead Corbs on me uh, my first year in Richmond when I was <clears> in <throat> Russia, um, there was a concert at the uh, I guess it was the baseball field Richmond Arena or something, but it was the Beach Boys, Buffalo Springfield, uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock, and I believe Soul Survivors. And that was the day that the drummer of the Strawberry Alarm Clock hit a cymbal and went off and whacked the keyboard player in the head, and they took him to the hospital before they got to play Incense and Peppermint. Whoa. That's a little bit of drama. So... Now, uh, did you do this thing like after school with the garage band, uh, basement band, bedroom band, that kind of thing? Not until college. Uh, I was in art school, and um, everybody, everybody I knew that was in band was a, was a school kid. And I didn't know any real music people, but uh, I was in a band called Titville Thunderbolt in 1969, and. Uh, First, it was two people, and then there was a big band version that was five. And we you didn't do trumpet, did you? Excuse me? You didn't do trumpet, did you? Uh, actually, the first time we played, uh, it, uh, I played uh, Underland by Night, while the other guy played Sparklers. Um, and I, I asked him, we asked the audience to stand at the beginning and I played the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> and got lost in the middle of it. And he played a 10 minute drum solo and then I remembered where I was and finished it up. And then we asked him to sit down and then we went to a table and, and played the card game Fish. 
So we we were into John Cage. We confused people and we emptied some rooms. Yeah, yeah. He got to open for Alice Cooper in 1970 before anybody knew who he was. So that was cool. He was making the, those first two albums. They were kind of joke records, right? Yep. On Frank Zappa's uh, Straight. He was on Bizarre or Straight. Well, we, or straight. The show that we did was on a Sunday night, and I believe it was probably one of those things where their manager realized they were heading up the coast and didn't have a place to play that night because uh, the local people actually did the tickets and the posters. I was on the ticket, and, the, and Billy Burke, the other guy in Tittville Thunderbolt, was uh, on the poster. Oh. So it was all done very quick, and then they played, and they were gone. So I saw the killer tour. I saw Billion Dollar Baby. Then the one where he fired all the guys, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Well, Alice this, Cooper this, was actually the name of the fucking band. He, he kind of bum-rushed. Well, anyway, who wants to go first, next? The first band I thought was a, a really impressive band. Well, at school, uh, at VCU, we were getting all kind of people's concert and dance committee. I saw a little Smokey, uh, Smokey Robinson Imperials. I saw a little Anthony. I saw the Turtles before Flo and Eddie left. Uh, lots of good people. Yeah, VCU. I, I played on that yeah. field before. Okay, who, who wants to go next? Uh, Norbert? Yeah, sure, I'll go next. Okay, um, earliest musical memory, please. Well, probably the same for my music lessons. I can remember um, <clears throat> I went to uh, Catholic school through, like, elementary and high school, right? And so uh, I had a piano teacher from first, second, and third grade, this nun. And I don't know why she kept me going, but after three years, she said, she told my mom, she said, uh, yeah, piano playing, no, I think he'd make a good drummer. So after three years, <laughs> beat me on the knuckles with a ruler, she kicked me out. <laughs> well, you know, in the big band days, piano was in the rhythm section, so was a guitar. Well, yeah, so I was close. Yeah, you were close, <laughs> so fuck her. That's, a, that's about as, as, you know, that's about how it goes. Yeah. And um, when I went record? to uh, high school, I guess, uh, first of all, the first album I ever bought was Rave Up by the Yardbirds. Oh, yeah, and good one. I just found, uh, I just found it in my collection, was got the original uh, wrap around it with the giant music sticker in Falls Church that said $2.79, so that must yeah. have been a big outlet for me. <laughs> and what but, was the first um, gig you saw? Uh, first gig, actually, I had friends in uh, grade school who played, you know, they were called the Axemen, and they... They played all covers. They were friends of mine, but they wouldn't let me in that band either. Probably none talked them out of it. And um, <laughs> then I went into high school. And high school, I didn't. Ha I went to another. I went to uh, a school in downtown DC, private high school. And um, I grew up, you know, from ninth grade on, strictly listening to soul music. It was. Uh, the big split with my friends in Falls Church. They were all listening to the Beatles in, in Arlington, and I was listening to soul music, and we could barely talk after that. They couldn't <laughs> communicate. You know, it's like, that's got no soul. So anyway, I didn't get to take any art classes or any music classes then, and then I went to uh, VCU and all hell broke loose, you know, it was like Kent State times and riots and stuff. And I went down there for political science, 
but all I liked was artists. So eventually, I actually played. Steve was in Titfield Thunderbolt. I was playing noisition guitar for a group called Lay's Ultratones. So we actually jammed together as Lay's. Lay ultra bolts and the thunder tones and stuff like that. It was all very, very casual. There were a lot of one-off band names. A lot of one-off band names, but real tight community. Real tight community down there. So um, then my musical experience, actually I married a, a woman artist from VCU, and she got me into arts, and it kind of turned my whole career around in that when I was – I also fought fires out there, and I was, like, repelling out of helicopters in Oregon and such. And um, they, my brother-in-law owned a recording studio, and he said, you got a really good ear. Um, Why don't you, like, I'll teach you how to do this. So I worked for a recording studio for him for a year and a half. And, um, you know, all the time fighting fires in the summers and stuff for the money. And... uh, from there, I just kind of evolved on from it. I ended up coming back to um, the East Coast, and I got a job with Discovery.com on computers and such. And then probably the greatest experience for me for art was, thankfully, uh, I got a job being the general manager of this place called Surround Art and then turned into like one of the partners of the video part of it. So I spent all my time doing art, and it just turned out that my – first 18 years of my life was worthless for what I wanted to do. So turned out, it turned out good in the long run, but it took my buddies from VCU to really do it, I think. Yeah, but that's kind of how life is. It's hard to play yeah. it all, you know what I mean? I, I want to play uh, Dog in Love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kill me. 
Sometimes when I'm low, I get up. Doesn't do good to be down. I look up in the air. I don't have a care. I'm happy my feet still touch the ground. That is not to say I don't get to sleep because of course I do. Tell them life's really not that bad. I would give them a smile. I would give them a hug. I would give them advice. I would tell them to shrug. Everyone knows people who live to be dark. If we leave them alone, they will always miss the mark. If we show them the way that all you do is have to say.
Yeah.
one of them now. Look, there comes one of them now. They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> Chain toys from the rest stop, the magnetic kissing dogs. Oh yeah, I remember them. <laughs> well, I pulled one of the magnets out and turned it around so that they wouldn't kiss. The one was always sniffing the other one's butt. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Hey, people, we just heard "Dog and Love," and that was Corvus explaining the modus operandi. <laughs> uh, cheap Spanish swine from Hellbians. After that, my uh, New York nightmare from Bomas Brandon. Dot Wigan band. You know Dot Wigan. I was listening earlier. Loved it. Right. This was she was in the Shags, right? This band yeah. from uh, yeah, yeah. I I think New Shags. Hampshire I or something. Her name of Shags. Yeah. Um, a. That's the name of the song, right? And then Umbral Vectors, Bomas Prendon, M3 from Sticks, not the Chicago band, but uh nephew Alex, a guy named uh, Pavel from Russia. Uh, 2% for Bomas Brandon. Bomas. Fuck. <laughs> I got so hey, we Bomas. Bomas. We've been yeah. called a lot worse. We just, yeah, we just changed his name. Okay. <laughs> Sound like gold from Model Home. Their DC band, brand new. A guy from Buffalo moved there and started with this young guy there. Uh, 38 Angry Tigers. Bomas Brandon. Bomas Brandon. Leave that shit behind from deep in the woods, 66 out of Dublin. And finally, Sam Neon from Bomas Brandon. Okay, uh, Bomas, your turn. Yeah. Give it to us. Your earliest musical recollection, please. Well, um, let's see. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little younger than uh, the other guys. I'm like five years younger, so I'm kind of, and I'm not from. I didn't, not from Virginia, so I, it's all different for me. Uh, you know, I, I do have a recollection. When I was a, a little kid, I was literally playing in a, a sandbox, and somebody came over with a transistor radio, and uh, that was the first time I heard the, and I heard this sound, and it was like, man, I never, I never heard anything like like that before, and I want to hear more of that. So, you know that. That's that's something that I never really forgot, you know, and it was kind of funny back in the early 60s, because up until like 63, 
uh, up until like 64, all of the music was, uh, it was pretty awful, you know? And then in like 64, you know, like the, uh, uh, the, suddenly the, the kinks were on the radio and all of this other stuff. And, you know, I really got it. I really got into that. So I was, I had a little transistor radio. So I took that thing around with me, uh, everywhere I went, you know, with the little, little one ear earphone you could put in the ear kind of stuff and uh, i was living out in the suburbs outside of uh philly so i was hearing all of the stuff that they were playing there the philly soul and stuff and back then you know you put the radio on and you hear you'd hear some rock music and then the next thing they would play would be some soul music you know and they and they and they mixed it all they mixed it all up which was uh which was pretty great so that was that was for me that was a you know, kind of a kind of a big influence, but uh, um, I didn't really get started. I didn't really get started playing uh, playing too much. Yeah, uh, the pad where you grew up was there instruments? Not uh, not initially. Nobody in my family was uh, was musical. But when I was a little kid, uh, we had a chair and and it had like a cushion on it. But if you took the cushion off, there were some slats on there. And for some reason, to me, the slats reminded me of uh, piano keys. And I was kind of like whacking these things. And my parents saw me doing this, and they were like, "What is that guy doing? He's like trying to play a a freaking piano on the on the furniture." I must have been like I don't know, like six or something. So. Uh, uh, so they got me a, a piano and got me piano lessons. I started when I was in fourth grade. Yeah, and, now, what uh, was your experience? No, because I've had people on the show where that fucking experience with piano lessons almost made them quit music. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and actually. It's, it's, pretty it's pretty usually, much like that. It's usually because of the teacher. Well, yeah, uh, try having a nun. I did actually. I did. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like had to go into their like inner sanctum there in the beginning, and it was it was creepy to to tell you the truth. Did she um, use a ruler on you? Oh, oh, she must have. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Uh, but sure. after that, I a little not too long after that, I was taking lessons from a, a nice old lady uh, down down the street, and she she knew her stuff. You know, but it was like starting with the like simple things and then like the easier classical things and then like getting a little more difficult. And, you know, I wasn't really into it. Uh, I wasn't really into it so much. After a while, she said, OK, well, you can play some of this other stuff, you know, and I would get these books of like pop music, but they were terrible arrangements. But, you know, I, I played them. <laughs> What about but, school? Uh, Were you in the choir? Were you what, in the marching band or shit like that? Nah, I didn't do anything like that. Okay. No, uh-uh. You well, know, I wasn't but, really. I gotta tell I wasn't you, really, I wasn't really into music I, that that much. Like playing music, really. You know, I mean, I did the piano a little bit, and for like one day when I was uh, twelve or one or two days, a friend of mine who had a, a old upright piano and a saxophone, we tried playing. Uh, we tried playing "Expressway to Your Heart." And we did that really badly, uh, but that's like it. That's all I. That's all I did. Just, just that. Uh, was, when I was in college, um, what, what, what was the first record you bought yourself with your own money? 
You know, I think the first record I bought was a little single uh, at the sh- at the shopping center up the road. They had like, you know, there'd be like a bin full of all these records and you could get one. I think the first one I got was Ode to Billy Joe. <laughs> oh, good record. <laughs> I know. And what I about know, the first, f- first gig you saw? You know, I was thinking about that. Uh, probably the first gig I saw when I was in, um, <clears throat> you know, I think I was in ninth grade and these other guys who were in the class they had a band and they had like a thing on a friday night in the cafeteria they turned all the lights on and they had like a light show and they were playing all this hendrix stuff uh that i had never heard before and i thought that was pretty uh pretty damn great Okay. Uh, so, so that was like the first, the first thing. Later on, when I went to college, you know, they would bring in different acts, and I would go see them, like, you know, like uh, the Straubs and Chick yeah. Corea. And I ask about the first one because you can only have one first one, so that's why. I yeah. Ask. So l- yeah. L- let's move on to Miles. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> to us, Miles, your your earliest musical recollection, please. It was very tough because uh, my father was a jazz musician, so I was born listening to him coming home from gigs and playing at one in the morning and two in the morning and walking up down the hall. Oh, so wow. I, I've been listening to music forever. However, he didn't, for whatever reason, probably because he knew what the music business was like, never encouraged any of us to play. Uh, I had two brothers. Um, and so I suppose uh, my First records were uh, Iron Butterflies Heavy, yeah. and the first step, the ones I bought with my own money. Uh, before that, it was like I was a radio listener, like Jim, yeah. like uh, uh, Bums, and um, and the radio. The radio had everything you needed, but then uh, I got a record player, and I was like, "Well, I need some records." So I got the first Iron Butterfly, which is still like a killer record for me. And I got um, Steppenwolf, and I got. The Frank, the Mothers of Invention, with Susie Cream Cheese on it. It's just those are my three records for like a year. Yeah, something trippy happened with the Iron Butterfly bass man. They found him in a canyon in his van. His skeleton, right? It was oh, you're lost kidding. for a couple years. Yeah, he disappeared. And then they found well, him. He ain't coming back. Yeah, he ain't um, coming back. So let's so, see. So uh, I what, didn't what really. What about start... at school, uh, Miles? At school, did you? Were you I, in the choir? I tried. I tried to start a band with some friends. This is back in the era of the like. I was still in high school, so we did. I remember learning a kink song. I had to play piano, and then they got a piano player, so I had to play drums, and both of which I stunk at, and I didn't really play again until. I got to uh, New Jersey. I went to high school in New Jersey, and it was just, the, just like the perfect time to be there. Um, it, there were a lot of local guitar players, and among them were Bruce Springsteen, who was nobody yet. He was just a local guitar player, but he was fantastic. Uh, and so my brother and I, my brother moved up to Jersey with me after a few months, and we used to have a band with him playing keyboard and me playing terrible guitar um doing bruce springsteen covers with nobody he didn't have a band so um it was uh he was a, a an inspiration a guy named rick desarno who's just a monster left-hand guitar player also from the shore steve van Zandt was a fantastic guitar player so they were like our, they were like the three 
godheads for me. And I'd go to the upstage and see the play every weekend. And um, but in terms of like the first concert I ever saw, I think it was Doug Clark and the Hot Nuts at mm-hmm. a at a fraternity house. You know, nuts, hot nuts, getting them from the peanut man. That guy. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of <laughs> like uh, it was like out of uh, Animal House, the <laughs> Otis Day in the Night type of scene. Um, but I did see the swinging medallions, I guess while I was still in high school. But after that, it was, you know, the sixties and, and for two fifty you could go to the Fillmore, you could go see yeah, I mean I saw Led Zeppelin at Carnegie Hall. I saw saw them a couple months before that. When they were like when somebody said, Hey, there's this new band from England, you want to go see them? I was like, Yeah, let's go see them. Um You know I and, learned I learned about the singer, his his droga name. It's in the Dick uh, Lloyd book. He, he was Percy. Did you know that? The singer Robert, for who? Uh, Robert Plant. Oh, yeah. Percival. Per, yeah, Percy was his, like, when he was looking for Haish and shit. It's, it's, it's in uh, Mr. Lloyd's book. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, November 10, 2020 edition Watt for Pedro show. A special guest, Boneless, Prendon. We're going to get to how that band got together next hour. Hold tight for our two. November 10, 2020. It's the second hour of the lot for Pedro show. On a cloud, 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 So man, he never came rolling home. It's so man, he left me an old dry bone. This old man, he did not know his son from sin. Someone asked his name 
was he blessed? Asked was he cursed? Maybe it's all the same. But now I like the man on the radio. I don't know my hat from my glove or from my glove. And I can't quite put my finger on whatever it was he called love. This old Said I was brave. I'm gonna go sit by the river. I wanna watch the water flow by. Watch it flow by. And if I should happen to see his reflection, I'll just close my eyes. This old man.
Control 
Pedro show. Start off the second hour. Bonus Preden. Prendon. Fuck. No, I'm gonna fuck up the second <laughs> word. <laughs> the band so you can't sorry. pronounce. So sorry. <laughs> on, a, on a cloud. And Sam Bennett out of Tokyo with uh, that this old man. I'm gonna talk to him next Friday. No, this Friday. Uh, Waku Waku Kingdom Brother Shige out of Berlin. A Bonus Prendon with abandoned stunt woman. The Thomas Scott Quintet, his brother Phil in Liverpool with his new thing, where he, uh, yeah, wrote parts for strings and shit like that. Crowded World. And then finally, Underwater Kiss, Boma's Prendon. Now, the story of Boma's Prendon, it seems like you guys, your, your musical, well, VCU looks like it was kind of a gathering point for some of you, right? Right. Uh, we actually met here in the D.C. area. It was it? Okay. No, no, no. I met you and Candy no, at BCU. I mean, Bomas Prendon got together. Oh, here. yeah. But, yeah, Miles. I met Miles in Richmond, but I didn't know him in Richmond. Norbert I knew in Richmond. Uh, Bomas I met through, uh, basically, uh, his roommate from college answered a, an apartment ad, and then he came down half a semester later, and then the three of us ended up in a house, and then... Uh, the other guy got left, so um, that's that house is where we recorded our first flexi. So, what was the modus operandi? Or what was the idea? Did you, did you um, have the band name right away? There was there was no idea. <laughs> there still isn't one. <laughs> um. Well, well, one of the ideas we is were, you don't you, you don't Bonus do gigs, I, right? Bonus and I were at dinner one nah. night. We were at dinner one night at a restaurant, and I'm going to let him tell you the story because I've told it wrong the last time. 
we were we were having having dinner at, at Mrs. Chen's house of fish and chips on Columbia Pike outside of Washington. Uh and uh and uh we're just sitting there and then uh, kind of suddenly Steve uh, Corvus says to me, uh, so uh you wanna start a band? And I said, uh, okay, sure. Okay, sure, why not? And uh, and then we went back and, and we actually didn't have any we didn't really have any recording equipment, we didn't have any instruments, we didn't have anything. We had like an old uh, Corvus had an old uh, cassette deck, and we went back and started recording yeah, one stuff. Of those FM wireless mics with a little string on it. With a little antenna on it, I did. Huh? Uh, and uh, you had like you had, you had your you had your twenty five dollar guitar, right? Uh, oh yeah, I bought it at a pawn shop and brought it home in a black plastic plastic bag on the bus. And uh, I didn't have anything, so we were using things like like typewriters and uh just like whatever we could find and then then after a little while we went we you know we couldn't really afford anything so we went to the toy store we bought some toy instruments so we started using using those and and recording that stuff and we just kept going but in terms of any ideas or whatever you know we never said hey let's sit down and let's figure out what kind of music we're going to play and what we're going to do we um, never did at all we just our biggest goal was probably buying the two sharp decks that had line mic mixing so we could run from a cassette A to cassette B and then swap them off and then do another layer. So that's how we did those. Right. Play you're ta two you're talking about overdubbing. Yeah. Yeah. And we would basically would have to mix it down every layer because of the way we were doing it. Yeah. And so if you didn't mix the last layer right, you would lose it. Now, now who was the first... The first three, it, it was three guys at first. Y'all living together in a pad. Bill didn't live with us. He lived, he was, he had been in Richmond, but he was from this area. So he was back at his mother's house. Okay. So he would, he would come over and play guitar with us. So but we the, were, so it was Bill, you, Corvus. Right. And Bomas. And Bomas. Okay. And uh, so you're talking about that. Is it called test? Yes. Yeah. But there's something before test, right? Um, there was a cassette called uh, Video Loss that was uh, maybe five or ten copies, if that many. Um, yeah. Test was the first flexi. But 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 that 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 uh, Video Loss, uh, that's your first recordings. Think so. That, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Even though there wasn't that many, it was your first recordings. Okay. In fact, in fact, some of the uh, video lost was actually on the radio. I believe it was at Matthew Moore on WAMU, and we were called the Nibs then. Or W it could have been WWGTB at Maybe, Georgetown. We were we were called the Nibs. We weren't even Bomas Prendon. Well, how did Bomas Prendon get to be the name? You, take it away, Bomas. <laughs> <laughs> well. When I, when I was in, uh, okay, how do I explain this? You know, when I was, when I was a kid, when I was in like uh, early high school, you know, for some reason I had this idea, I had this idea about making up, uh, making up, making up words and making up names for things. 
because, you know, at the time, you know, everything was called like, you know, Thunderbird this and like Jaguar that. And I thought, you know, they're going to run out of animal names and they're going to have to start making up names for things. Uh, so I ought to get in on that. Now, why I thought that, I mean, I, I don't really know, uh, but I did. And then um, when I was in um, like 11th or 12th grade, uh, I found out that they had things uh, called uh, called computers. And, you know, they told me about about that. And I said, well, let me get this straight. So you can just like tell this thing what you wanted to do, to do and then it'll do anything you want. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, I want to try that, you know. Uh, so I started writing things that would make up words, you know, code, and uh, and uh, those two words were were some of were some of the words that were made up. And I had used that on an earlier just a, a dumb uh, project, a thing I was writing with another guy. And, um, you know, we were. Uh, and then later, okay, here's here's the thing. Later then, when I was in, this is kind of a, an important thing here. When I went to college, I had an English professor, and he said, I want you guys to, I want everybody in the class to write a sonnet. But don't use regular, don't use regular words, and don't try to make it make sense. Just so that it sounds good. If like an alien from another planet heard it, he'd say, okay, that sounds good. But it doesn't have to make sense. And I said, that's nuts but i thought that was a really great thing and so i wrote a sonnet that didn't make any sense and a friend of mine also at, at, in school at the time he wrote one too and he was borrowing some of some of my words and things for the one that he wrote uh and the one that he wrote had the had the phrase bomus prendon in it and then later on that became one of our uh songs october bargain days which was it was from like, like the advertisement in the sunday papers it's october bargain days at the top of the page so he made that the, he made that the name of the of the piece. So as I said, we recorded that. Uh, so it's a a lot of made up stuff. Now, why did the name get changed from the Nibs to Promise Ben Brandon? <laughs> I don't that know. Too. Yeah. I don't know. I was working for a hand lettering studio, and Bomus worked there briefly, and that's why it became the Nibs because of the pen Nibs. But I guess we probably decided it wasn't exciting enough. We were also very briefly, and I don't. We maybe we should have stayed with this one, and people could have pronounced it better. We were Bomus had uh, Xerox a picture of a, a taper, the the animal that's sort of like a peccary, T A P I R. Sure, sure, I know it. And we were going to be the tapers, and then we decided, and then he put some wiggly lines, and we were going to be the pulsating tapers. <laughs> so I think we went from pulsating tapers to Bomus Prendon. Did you guys used to we eat that? Uh, a lot of. Did you did you used to eat L? Uh, 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 I don't think I ever did. Never. I mean, the last time I used it was I think in '83, but I, I did a, several years of research. Oh, you mean that L? Uh, yeah, it's in the D, Steve. Not since '71 uh, or something. No, because I'm I'm wondering if there was any influence on the Bomus Prendon music. Without a doubt. Yeah. It, well. It was there beforehand, but it might have been kicked up a notch. Okay, I want to play Twilight Pink. Okay. Well, John just shakes his head. 
and wishes science was magic instead. Twilight Pink, a gray flicker, a cinematic, a pair of queens, and a woman on a horseshoe couch. Two dollars, or one dollar, okay, a dollar. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out.
It's always you 
Um, one time I dragged a couple of musicians into this warehouse we were at, 
and they were just looking really quizzically. But by the end, they were going, man, I really like how you do all these subtle changes. And it's not like we planned them, but we just kind of read each other and go that way. Are you talking about the summer we jammed at the warehouse? Yeah, yeah. That was a wild time. Too lazy to work in advance. I got to tell the listeners what we just heard. We heard Twilight Pink from Bomas Prandon. Uh, early two version from His Name's Alive. Uh, Plied and Power from Harper Roofs in St. George. Well, one of those is a uh, fake name for uh, uh, Delia Derbyshire, big pioneer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, baby. You know, you talk with, about, the, with the tape, talk, right? Yeah. With the oh, tape. yeah. Before, before synthesizers. What, what, what's it called? Uh, uh, Doctor Who. She, she yeah. performed that yeah. theme song. Uh, Blue Inside from Balmas Prendon. No One Needs to Know, Samuel Locke Ward. Finally, she was a girl, Balmas Prendon. So, I mean, I, I said this a little earlier, but one of the ideas of Balmas Prendon is no gigs. Yeah. We, we did a, We actually played a, like three times. No, maybe Come I'm on. wrong. Maybe I'm fucking wrong. Tell me. Maybe, no, it might have been five, but it was. they were special occasions. Yeah. Uh, we played a Hendrix Festival in Richmond. Uh, we played a Doors Festival in Richmond. We played at American University. Uh, so I think it was the week after Lennon got shot. Yeah. Um, and without, we were asked to play twice, and, and we weren't ready. And that we probably should have, but we were asked to open for... Lydia lunch at the 930 Club, and we couldn't get it in gear, and we were also asked to uh, open for Klaus Nomi, and we couldn't get it in gear. But we were basically at home with headphones on, making you know, making no noise in the room. In fact, when you guys were downtown with the Minutemen, we were at home with the headphones on, and we couldn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a conscious thing. You weren't really wanting to do gigs. You wanted to make... I I never did really. Okay. Uh, it That's over. why I'm hidden. Yeah, I still. Yeah. Do. <laughs> Miles is the only natural performer in the group that I know of. But I mean, yeah. but it's I, it's, it's, I, I got to give you a, a kind of a perspective from where I am hearing it. It does sound like one band doing every kind of music that they can think of. That's accurate. You know, it's on the mood, yeah. It really week does sound like a band together. Now, wh- wh- when did it go from the three dudes t- to to five? Um, that would have maybe been. Let's see, was it early E one that we had the party and and rented the movie? Uh, the uh, What's Up Tiger Lily? I think that's where we all got together. And and now that. that- in miles, I knew Candy from Richmond, and she was already up here. But we, I think Candy brought over brought Miles over to that party. That was the first time we all got together and talked about it. And did, I think I met Miles before that. I think I met Miles shortly before that at the Blondie concert. Okay, uh, all right. At the Ontario, early, early, yeah, early eighty one. Does that sound right? No, yeah. Maybe it was early eighty. Yeah, I'm thinking a little earlier. Closer to eighty. Well, and I knew I'd known Candy for a long time down in Richmond because she was a, a fantastic and, and a notorious groupie, and she actually <laughs> she and her friend Don Parker uh, used to hang around one of my bands a lot. So I I'd known her for a long time, and then 
I went to, uh, I left Richmond, got married and moved up to Alexandria, right? Alexandria, I think. And, um, and they ended up at a party uh, with uh, uh, Corbis and Bermas and uh, the What's Up Tiger Lily. And we were just talking and talking about music. And I, I really loved aggressive, difficult music. I'd, I'd been in a punk band in Richmond after being in a band that did nothing but jazz fusion. And, um, and then I was out of a band. And so I wanted to go play. And uh, I guess Candy and I must have started at the same time, right? That punk band was Ricky and the White Boys. Right. So, had, by this point, uh, the, the, the video and uh, test, they were already recorded? I uh, know uh, we're we're all on test and phantom limb, I think, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your yeah. pictures are. What was, what was the I'm other not one? sure if Bill is on phantom limb. He's at the end. Yeah. Not is he? Not for a long time. Of course. Oh yeah. 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 That's kind of an odd thing. Um, the end of our second flexi. Yeah, ends with a recording of an argument that the band was having about song forms or some damn thing. Well, Bill and Miles were were talking about this song structure, and I was recording the argument. Yeah, they were fighting, so that that became the song. That became the song, and that was the end of uh, end of Bill. Bill and the end of Phantom Limb. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you've heard that tro- you've heard that recording of the Trogs in the studio. <laughs> Right, the producer's trying to tell the drummer how to do some kind of drum fill. Doopy 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 doo. Oh, fuck you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, you know, got a lot of England uh, accent. Yeah, yeah. So some of those things they make good for good stuff because they're in the moment, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. but 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 was there because you were uh, one of you was saying that you didn't really do a lot of talk. You could feel each other out when you play. So, but there was ideas of song structure. Well, that that was like a it's a two track thing that a lot of what we did was spontaneous improvisational music. And that is we would just plug in and get going. And then for a year or so, um, I was uh, uh, I was working downtown in Washington and I uh, I would we would go out to uh, Norbert's house, I believe. And on the metro ride between downtown and where I met Norbert to get picked up to go to his house, I would try to write as many songs as I could. And this is like in 25 minutes. So something like Phantom, like uh, Twilight Pink would have been one of those things where I just got a pad, a legal pad, and I would just start sort of automatically writing lyrics. And for a year or so, we kind of took those lyric ideas and sort of made songs around them uh, as much as we ever had any discipline that was it was kind of a weird period but it was great i mean we got a lot of good stuff out of it but we went back to our, our, our as a general rule our spontaneous improvisation thing and, and in that case the words came later if the words was words um no i think words always I think words always preceded the music, didn't they? 
Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. It's hard to it's hard to remember uh, every yeah, other most day. Of it, sometimes it all happened at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's why you'll hear vocals over top of music because we got some lyrics, right. and we've we're playing music, and somebody's trying to sing a melody that hasn't been written yet, and yeah. never really read the lyrics before. Right, but it strangely comes together. <laughs> so, well, see, I was a songwriter too. So, I was a songwriter for a, a couple of different bands, uh, actually four or five bands. And so, songwriting was like a, a I kind of knew how to do that. So, but but the problem is you can't walk into Bomas with a bunch of songs and show it to everybody on the guitar and go, "Here's how it goes." I mean, we could have figured it out eventually, but that's hardly the the Bomas ethos, you know. And so. It was more like here, here I got these lyrics, and let's see what happens. So it was kind of the launch pad. The, the words were like the springboard, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Because uh-huh. you you said something bomus ethic. What 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 would you say is the bomus ethic? Well, to me, it's it is about uh, when that when we first started. My conception of the band was that we were a band made up of musicians and non-musicians, for want of a better word, who all played together uh, as a band. And and it didn't really make any difference that some of us were approaching this thing entirely differently from the way the, the ones of us who had some musical background and actually had played instruments and stuff played. And it all came out sounding like Bomas. Um, and uh, so, you know, I guess it's, it is, like I said, it's spontaneous, even for those of us who kind of halfway know what we're doing. Um, but it's, it's collaboration. It, it, it's a spontaneous collaboration, improvisation. I don't even know. We have an accident talking about it, but you would come over to the pad with a legal pad with words. That would be the only kind of thing preparation ahead of time. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we'd know that the first song we did, we called blow off. Okay. Yep. Let's blow off. Right. Cause we all had such, you know, you know, it's always Thank political you. angst, you know, Iraq yep. and then AIDS and then all these kind of things always going on. So we're just like, want to let's get this out musically. Right. So we would just like immediately just start that. You know what? I think we got joined by uh, Beal. No, he's, he's telling me his connection's too weak. I'm I'm also trying to text him. I tried to add him twice and it won't hook up. Because you know what? He's probably trying to do it over a leash. It's better with a pewter because a leash has to go through a cellular network before it gets to the internet. Ah, uh, shit. Well... Let, let, let's keep going on. This is interesting about this. So, how did you know when you had enough for a record? Uh, because how do we know we have too much record? for records? Yeah, because you know yeah, when I'm listening to these things, they they sound like they're in their own little universes. And that's that's a funny question. How did we know? How did we know when when test was done? I mean, uh, well, we had a bunch of. Re- Recordings, you know, like, hey, we've yeah. got all of this stuff. Let's put it together. Well, yeah. the case um, but there was always stuff that was left out. In the case of test, we knew we had uh, it was a it was a stereo flexi, and there was twelve minutes on each side. So that was what made we knew we couldn't do any more than that. So right. we there was always a lot of 
disagreement with every project. We might spend, you know, six months. I think in the case of clear memory, maybe we might have spent six months arguing about what went on there and in what order. Yes, yeah, everything was like true. that. You mean the sequence? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, no. Should we do this song or was should we, you know, we put on that and argue about them? No. What about the fucking MP3 uh, disc with the 174 Seven-hour MP3. For that, I mean, I think we literally spent a couple of years having sessions, and we wouldn't play anything. We would just, you know, listen to some songs. Okay, should this be on it? You know, or not. And we just listened to many, many, many different things and voted on them. And then Corvus kind of put it all together. But, yeah, we had well, a, a whole bunch. A thick idea because we had all, we would vote on things. And, and if it was five out of five or four out of five, it probably made it to the project. But there was lots of stuff that was four out of five that didn't. So at the end, after we did uh, Trap Door, we had all this, you know, tons of stuff. So <laughs> they said, well, I can get 10 hours on a disc if I make them MP3s. Yeah. So we did. So right. we did. And figuring out an order for 174 tunes. <laughs> uh -huh. Took a while. I don't think we worried about the order on that. But on the 25 on Trap Door, we probably did a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I think that I was in San Francisco with the four... CDs of stuff that was um, that we were going over to try to pick it for trapdoor maybe um, when they had that uh, blackout in San Francisco and I, I can remember I'd been sitting and listening to the Bowman stuff and then uh, uh, what happened all the lights went off for something like that or I was talking about I'd called my wife just to say hi how you doing you know had a great day. And and suddenly the lights go off, and I said, and and so I said, honey, the lights all went off. And of course, if you're in San Francisco and the lights go off, the last thing you're thinking is, oh, there's an electrical failure. The thing you're thinking is, it's an earthquake. Here comes the big one. But it turned out to just be some crazy uh, saboteur in the uh, the electrical substation who had blown it up with a boot or something. Now that's probably just thinking about a sabot, but. Um, uh, that was that was when we were listening to it, but it went on for months, literally months, listening to stuff. And here's the problem: you know, the five vote ones are easy, and the four vote ones are fairly easy. But there were so many on there that had three votes and some very very strong opinions about why that one should get a fourth vote. Um, it took months, months and months and months of no playing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when Candy left for a while? I don't know. We would get to the point where we'd get tired of arguing about stuff and want to play music again for a couple of weeks. Yes, that's true. We did. What, Just about, for what about the recording process? Did it change from the two cassette machines? It sound, oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, fidelity yeah. seems uh, to evolve. A, uh, uh, we bought a, what was it, an AW16 or a, it was a, it was a, was a Tascam 4-track? Yeah, we had the Tascam before that. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a four-track on cassette. Uh, so we were still on the cassette, but we bought a Tascam yeah, four-track that worked great. And that <laughs> confidential look, when you played Twilight Pink, yeah. that was really the first thing we did on the four-track. Yeah, you But you tell, slow it down. Yeah, You can exactly. tell the fidelity yeah. changes th th down the years, the, the, the releases. 
So I was wondering, did you guys ever make, you probably record digitally now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah there's hundreds yeah. of hours of that too. And and off air, you were telling uh, me that you use this, uh, you guys play over the internet live. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, what's it called? We've tried it a couple of times. Uh, the, the software is called Jamulus. It's available for Mac, Windows, and Ubuntu. And uh, but but what made it workable for us? Uh, the guy in England has a thing called Melomax Live, and it's sort of like an online uh, studio where you book an hour, and then if you want to uh, record it, you pay him in advance. I think it's five pounds for an hour, and then after your session, uh, they send all the the tracks back to you. And even though we have had trouble hearing them uh, because of our own individual problems when the tracks came back they were clean as a whistle so i've been playing with those a couple of couple of projects down to stairs but uh we've not gotten into sending files back and forth we're we're maybe getting there depending on how long this goes on i don't know why we'd bother we <laughs> talked about it but we, we haven't we haven't done that yet okay we're at the end of the second hour november 10 2020 edition watch for pv show special guest Boom is prended. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Hold that fire three. Yeah, you could hear his voice on Big Career 777 on Confidential. That's how he sings. I just play. <laughs> We're going to play that song right now. <laughs> <laughs> November 10, 2020. It's the third hour of the Watch from Pedro show.
tornado got a blood jones a bad habit a habit bad fixation on the neck don't turn around or succumb to his voodoo for you may be next I got a new haircut and a brand new hat moved out of my house and back the U-Haul over the do you want somebody to jump on your back? Do you want me to jump on your back? When? Yeah, get off of my back. I'm mean, I'm old, and I don't care. Who knows about my brand new hat? It's a sombrero. Around the table and right to there. One line at a time. Yeah. What, brand new hat? Yeah. Yeah. One line at a time. All you guys contributed. Yeah, right. we had around the dinner table. Did we do a couple like that? Me and Dee Boone, I think, did five or six where we'd alternate lines. He'd write a line, I'd write a line, he'd write a line. Yeah. Yeah, it's a trippy way. People, we start off the third hour with the modern artist from Bomas Prended, Lost Tapes uh, 07 from Wasted Space, Blood Bog number two from Himmel Room, <laughs> brand new out of Denmark. Bomas Prended, big career 777, and that's got you, Corvus. Yes, yeah. I think okay. Nancy Reagan actually wrote that one. <laughs> okay. Just one day, the illusion of time from High Maya. That's got uh, Alan Ravenstein. And finally, yeah. Bomas Prandon. Yeah, Perubu, uh, the yeah. Uh, synthesizer. He was yeah. on the show last week. Great, great cat, man. Great cat. Wow. And he's got some new recordings, uh, like five, six albums coming. He's got a buttload. And then brand new hat, Bomas Prenton. You just heard the process there, that people. They, they put this tune together by writing a line at a time, passing the pad around. And, uh, so uh, there was some downtime, right, with the band? No. 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 It's been active. No, never had any downtime. That was an internet rumor. We just didn't release anything. Oh, okay. You still record? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're okay. still recording, except until all this stuff started. I, I'm, I was just counting the other day. Since the stuff that you've got, there's um, 116 hours or so on Jesus CD. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all come down to five vote, four vote, three vote. Well, we haven't even... No, we, <laughs> we haven't tackled the new batch. <laughs> we're, we're still in the cranking it out while we can remember how to hook up the equipment. Well, you know, in a way, that's kind of what it's always been about, uh, except for these times when we'd go back and have to listen to a bunch of stuff we had done to try to compile it into a, a release of some kind or just something for our own 
uh, well, actually, we, we've always thought about releases. Um, it's always been about like, you know, okay, we've done all that stuff. Let's do this week's thing, next week's thing. And uh, just kind of going forward or backwards or sideways, however it sounds, but um, not doing things again and again. Yeah, no rerun. Uh, I love Lucy, you know, this week it's mayonnaise, next week it's pizza. That kind of shit. Yeah. I, want, uh, I want to play Yellow File. Thank you.
Breaking up the pieces of the industrial crowd. Got no work in Trenton or for a while. Pretty much off to another line of products you can push. Leave it to the big guys. Just turn I'm gonna. I'm gonna play with my robot. Playing with my robot. Working on a bot. Send it to U.S. Steel. Leave it on the lot. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Just real try. 
Got no working training in the West Virginia for a while. No one left. And I took my job. And I traded my job for another line of products. We're all trying to push now. We'll leave it to those big guys. <laughs> I know what I want to do. I want to play with my robot. Working on this song. I want to sing it to Watch the Peter show. Somebody's making a bunch of fucking noise on the line there. Uh, last music for this edition. Started with Bomas Prince doing Yellow File. Then Troopa Troop out of Poland. We had uh, Gregor on a few episodes ago. End of the line. Bomas Prentin with Square One. Yeah, I like, you know, I I just heard the, because Corvus turned me on to the, the cassette, the Confidential. So I, I think I played everything from that. And I guess that one didn't get around much. I mean, it's no, not. No, no, hardly yeah. not. Square One, is, is, isn't that the one that has a, has live drums on it? Yeah. I wasn't there for that one. You weren't? No. No. There's a, there was a guest drummer. I'm not on that recording. Oh, wow. I don't to make a point about our recordings. Um, I don't I don't know if you know this, but Clear Memory got a great review, um, a cartoon-type review on the editorial page of Heavy Metal Magazine. And we knew Heavy Metal Magazine was in every 7-Eleven and drugstore across the country. And we said, oh, my God, what should we do? Should we make a 1,000 copies of it or something? How many would we get? And we got three cassette sales out of heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, you know what? Maybe we're just not a. <laughs> I don't know what. We don't know what we are. But well, you know, so we, we put did. together confidential, and we were really happy with it. But we said, well, you know, is it worth any effort for getting three sales? I don't think so. <laughs> so. We loved it. We really loved Confidential, but we didn't release it. It was basically a friends and family release. Whereas, we don't have a marketing arm. No. <laughs> Whereas Clear Memory... We don't have a marketing head. <laughs> well, that's the problem. We, we um, actually, actually, you know, I think the, we have a lot of fun putting the packages together. Um, the the Flexica discs were just a blast, and, and I still love seeing them. And, um, and the cassettes... You know, a totally different thing, but it was still a project, you know, where we had to make covers and song lists and put them together, even though there was only about 30 or 40 of them. But, you know, it's still um, it's great to look down on the floor and see 10 cassettes, you know, ready to go, like the assembly line. Right. I, I still love that picture. You still screening the covers. Um, it's it was definitely a hands-on art project more than anything, I think. You're oh, talking yeah. about uh, Phantom Land? Mm-hmm. And Test. That was a blast. Yeah. We did that at the um, uh, the old casket factory. Oh, I thought it was Richmond Graphics. It was Richmond Graphics, but it, it had been a casket factory. And, and one day I was in there rooting around. Um, I, there used to be some fantastic parties there. Um Matter of fact, I remember a girl going down the open elevator shaft there, going falling like thirty feet Shit. onto the dirt floor, and and living apparently. Um, yeah, but we we I found a great big stack of casket 
brochures from like the 20s. <laughs> awesome. And it just had a black and white photograph of the basic ca uh, casket. But then you could put these transparent overlays to show the level of trim you wanted. So it was, that was very cool. Well, I guess that's where all our music went to die. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know, but I think the next project ought to be called Castic Trim. Have <laughs> <laughs> to think about that. Well, I want to bury the city. that for a few months. <laughs> vote on it. Vote yeah. on it. <laughs> you know, we'll get back to you in a year or two about which we chose. Good to take that long. So, 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 what about uh, young, more younger people that were getting into music? What would you know? Being veteranos of the Bomas Prendon experience, what kind of advice would you give? younger people getting into the music racket seriously yeah, put the music that's it make friends and make noise yep gosh and 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 then one thing i should make very important if you're going to record it write this shit down <laughs> 30 years later you won't be trying to figure out what the hell you did when people start asking you about it <laughs> You mean, yeah, because you're talking about your backlog of stuff, like you don't know who's yeah. on what. Yeah. Jeez. 40 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and print imagine. more clearly. And print more clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mike, this is an amazing thing, but um, yeah. but Corvus has come up with the names for like uh, thousands of songs that we've done. and Not uh, just me. And he actually makes up a discrete name for almost everything we've done. And I won't say they're all great, but they're all different. I like them. I think they're very, uh, the, the titles are very succinct to the stuff you're hearing. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, let's see. We have a Facebook page. Yeah, fuck uh, that. What, what about your own website? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you can put your fucking flyers on any kind of telephone pole, but I'm like your own fanzine where you got nobody, no filter, right? The, the uh, Free Music Archive actually just got back linked together. I don't know what happened to it. It was down for a few months, but <clears throat> everything except Confidential is on there. And what about BomasPrendon.com? It's there, but I don't think we've messed with it for a while. But you can read it's reviews. Probably, it probably yeah, reviews it'll probably tell you to go to our Facebook page. It's got, it's got a really good discography. Mm. Uh, what, the, 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 our website? BomasPrendon.com. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I love that website. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think so. People, if you want to check out more on the band. And, 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 you know, of course, at the end here, I got to ask you, what's the next plan? More uh, the same. Post-pandemic. Yeah, Hopefully to record in the same room again sometime soon. And I'm, my personal project is I've still got hundreds of stuff to go through. Maybe I'd, like, I'd like a pit, make a pitch. Pitch away. Uh, you know, Clear Memory was... Um, revived out of uh, the ether from Garrison Records. 
and I wasn't familiar with them. And then I went to their website and it just blows me away. Stuff that you'll never have a chance to see anywhere. And they called us last or wrote Steve last fall and said, Are you guys still alive? <laughs> and um, they took that tape and just remastered it, just a two track tape. And we just can't believe how much, how better it sounds. So this is my plug. So they actually do it to confidential also. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> I think they're a great label. They got a lot of good shit. Um, I went to their. They really too. do. It's, they did it's a great obscure job. stuff you'll never never see anywhere else unless you like go to a compendium like they put together. I think they're a marvelous label. Mike, really do you actually play vinyl? Do I play vinyl? Yeah. Yeah, sure. you do. Sure. Do you have our record? Do you have our vinyl record? No, all I got from you guys is the ones and zeros versions. I'll I'll have to send you one. But okay, that, that'd be great. That's very kind of you. I, I a, love a, what you're doing. Uh, be interesting. I mean, you guys, when you get to play uh, in the same room again, you're going to improvise in the moment, right? Always. Oh, oh yeah. So so this situation here somehow is going to reflect on. I can't wait to hear the music that comes out of this from you guys. Well, hey, you, thanks, Mark. You played, uh, I think the other day you played America on Hold. That was recorded two days after 9 11. Okay. Uh, we were actually, I think, supposed to meet on 9 11. Yeah, that's and right, but we couldn't. We couldn't went do it. nuts here in D.C. And, uh, and I think we rescheduled for Thursday, and that's what came out. Wow. That's exactly. So that's why it sounds kind of like a dirge. It is. Yeah, I, I had to start a tour that day. Oh, and the oh, first gig was wow. in the city, uh, San Francisco, and I had to do it at the end of the tour. It was, yeah. It's it, it's trippy about how music can be in its own world, but then somehow connected to the world. And this is yeah. something that's trippy about that Bowman's Prendy sure. yeah. that I could personally relate to. I mean, there's something about you guys' sound, your music. I just... I just feel a connect with it so so much, man. The, the idea, I, I love the idea that it, there's no fucking genre about it. <laughs> except except Bowman's Prendon. That's the genre, you know? It reminded me, D. Boom once said, man, we could do anything we want. It just got to sound like the Minutemen. And That's you, right. guys, That's you guys, exactly have right. you guys have done that. You have done that with doubt. your band, and it's beautiful. And it's for somebody like me, because you can get jaded, right? You've been around, but it's so inspiring what you're doing. And I'm just so glad, and a big honor for me to have you on the show. When you do get another release together, will you come back on? And can we talk about it? Oh hell yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we yeah. we find that it's a, an extreme honor to be interviewed by you, sir. That's so true, and that you play us on your show. I love it. I love it. Really? Truth be told. People, it's been November 10, 2020. This is what Pedro shall keep you powder dry.